I first became a Christian in 1979, back in the 1900s. It's a long time ago, probably before Pastor was born. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I received that. Amen. <clears throat> it's amazing to me because we go away for four years and work and do ministry, and we love it. And when we come back, the, the pastors have changed, some of them, uh, some of them more physically than just changing the whole pastor, you know. But anyway, <clears throat> but, uh, and their kids, what is amazing is the kids. So four years, kids go like from this to this in four years. They just don't know how that happens. Our kids do the same thing, but it's one year at a, one minute at a time, and we don't notice it. But when we come back, but it's good to see people. I, um, I, I got to see Lloyd. He came up and said, hi. I don't know if you guys know who Lloyd is. He's around here somewhere holding babies. <clears throat> yes, I want that ministry. Not that I'm going to steal your ministry, but that's, I'm a grandpa now. I'm a grandpa now. We have our fifth grandchild. <laughs> and it is so exciting. And uh, so today I want to, <clears throat> a million things I want to say, but I, I feel like the Lord has me focused in on, and uh, I need to get focused in on some things. And if pastor, I just want to give this uh, public, well, not announcement, but to publicly say that if he stands up and says, stop, then I'm going to yield to him. Okay, guys? So if you need to send him a text, shut that guy up, you know. <clears throat> okay, because uh, I'm not here representing me. I'm here representing Jesus. And the pastor is the overseer for that. And the pastoral staff. And if I'm not submitted to that, then uh, I'm in trouble. <laughs> and so I want to make sure that I tell you that today. <clears throat> because sometimes you get speakers that say some stuff that they shouldn't be saying. And if I say something that I don't, that I shouldn't say, I want you to let me know. <clears throat> because I'd, I'm not here for me. I'm here for the Lord. And I'm just going to testify today. I, I have some words. I've preached. I've taught homiletics or the, <clears throat> the act and the art of speaking and preaching. I've taught those classes. And uh, I enjoy that. But today I'm just going to testify. I have a little bit of a theme. I have some things that are going to kind of connect it to help you remember. But I want to hear what the Lord has to say. Amen. So let's just bow in a word of prayer for real quick. And Father, we just thank you for your presence with us. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are with us now. You are here. You never leave us nor forsake us. We thank you, Jesus, that you paid the price that we could have a testimony, that we could have a life. And we pray, God, for your blessing, your anointing on this message, on this testimonies today, that you would help us, give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to us, Father. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. I want to, you can see, do we have our slides up? And uh, Okay. And uh, you can see there, this is a cool map. It's almost as cool as your map on the wall out there. I really like that one better. Uh, but anyway, this, uh, mcclungs.net is a website. You'll hear s several testimonies today, but there are a lot more on mcclungs.net. And make sure you put the S in there. 
anyway, mcclungs.net, and, and there's a, a way to give there. If you didn't come ready to give today or if you're online, you want to give through there, you can give through the church as well. Uh, that's an Assemblies of God uh, Give Now is an Assemblies of God secure website to give. And so you can help us to go back and do what we were, uh, what we were doing uh, and then what we hope to do. And we re hope to return in May of next year. May of 2022, we hope to take teams to Slovakia and then go into some new areas, and I hope to get to that today, talk about some new areas that the Lord is opening up and asking Patty and uh, people are asking Patty and I to be a part of, and so we're thankful for that. But uh, I want to go to the next slide. I want to talk about Cornelius today in Acts chapter 10, verse 1, and through the whole chapter. It's a great story about God's love. This is God never changes. He deals with us in different ways, but he never changes. It's because we change that he has to deal with us in different ways. But God has always wanted all his people to be saved. All his people, no matter what color, what race, where we came from, where we were born. Uh, Patty's got four brothers. They were all from a dairy farm in Wisconsin. She's got a sister too. They all raised on there. They love the Green Bay Packers. And they all have guns, even her sister. <laughs> and so I'm a Packer fan. Uh, I, wasn't, I wasn't raised in Wisconsin, and I, I didn't grow up here. And uh, uh, I grew up in Oklahoma, and it's college football. We only have one professional team, and it's basketball. And it only happened a few years ago. So Oklahoma, we don't have a lot to choose from. But anyway... Uh, I love the Green Bay Packers. I really do. And uh, I, mostly because her brothers are watching. And <laughs> in case they're watching. Um, anyway, I'm just glad that God knows where we are. And it doesn't matter what color, what, where we were raised. When I first moved to Wisconsin to go to work for her brothers, I had a southern accent. And uh, they made so much fun of me, I tried to lose it. Uh, so it, it does better. And then I pastored up in the UP, the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. Hey, and um, some of you got that, hey. But anyway, um, and uh, I was preaching somewhere in Wisconsin uh, in this last five months that I've been itinerating. And somebody said, oh, I was trying to figure out your accent. And I was like, okay, here it comes. He said, yeah, you're from the UP, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. Well, I did live there for nine years. Almost, and uh, anyway, we thank God for that. But God doesn't care about all that stuff. He does care when it matters, but most of the time it doesn't matter. I remember my dad, who was adopted by his stepdad, and my dad adopted me and my sister because our father left us. My dad told me, he said, son, you can't, or did you have anything in, to say about what color you were born or where you were born? And I said, no. He said, that's why we aren't prejudiced in this house. I said, okay, yes, sir. I knew my dad loved me. I was preaching in Oklahoma. 2016, 
My dad came to the service. He lifted his hand to accept Jesus. He didn't raise us Christians. He was growing marijuana in the garage in the 70s. Yeah, it was a federal offense and we could all went to jail. But thankfully we didn't. But just to say that God knows where we are. We didn't have any choice in those things. But God did. He designed it. And uh, I just appreciate that. My dad passed away at the end of April in 2021. And the Lord spoke to my heart to do the funeral. I said, it ain't happening. <laughs> I can't. And then I woke up the next morning and it was as clear as a bell. I had the peace of God and knew exactly what I was supposed to say. And in May, uh, we did the funeral, did a gravesite thing. And it was wonderful because I know where my dad's at today. Before he accepted Christ, we had a different conversation. Afterwards, it was way different. My dad would see prayer requests online and he would push in there. Just Jesus helped them. Lord helped them. He would pray for people. <laughs> I know my dad's in heaven today. And I just feel like today that the Lord wants me to say a couple of things about that. That we should all be first generation Christians. My great grandmother was a Pentecostal woman who loved God and prayed for all of her kids. My grandmother came to Christ later on in life. I was able to lead her to the Lord. <clears throat> My grandfather too. But I'm a first-generation Christian. And then Patty, she was saved at Assembly Park Camp up in northern Wisconsin at 10 years old. Her grandparents were part of Fargo First Assembly of God in Fargo, North Dakota. That's a, heres, a, a, a legacy, a heritage that I want to have for me and my family and me and my house. When I was in Bible school, we had a lot of kids that were third and fourth generation Christians, and they were testing this, that, and the other. And I said, guys, look, I came out of that stuff. You don't want to know what that's like. You don't want to know what alcohol and, well, what is it going to hurt to take just one? What's it going to hurt? I said, what's it going to hurt not to? What's it going to hurt not to? There's so much devastation. I worked with Teen Challenge in Lithuania for several years, 10 years. And um, our son-in-law, who is working with Interaxio, which is being translated to now through the program Interaxio, which was uh, developed and invented, created in Lithuania. In one of our churches, one of the guys from the church, is a brainiac, not quite like me. <laughs> He's a lot smarter than I am. Anyway, he developed this for their church and then they made a business out of it my son now a son-in-law now is working with them and he done training with pastor matt uh to do the technical side of it so they do the the audio and and video stuff anyway um worked with a lot of teen challenge people misha hi misha he's not looking he's playing drums at the church where he's on 
he's on the worship team. They have three services this morning, so he's in the middle of that. Anyway, um, Misha grew up part of his life at a Teen Challenge Center because his mom was in Teen Challenge. His uncle was in Teen Challenge. His uncle became one of our students at the Bible school. I was the academic dean of the Bible school. And Andrew, his uncle, Andreus in, in, in Lithuanian, he is now the leader of one of our teen, the Teen Challenge farm that we have. And sees about 50 to 100 guys come through there every year. Uh, turning their lives around. And a lot of them say it's, I have to stop completely. I can't do just a little bit. And so now instead of saying, what's it going to hurt to try something? They say, what's it going to hurt to pray a little more? What's it going to hurt to read the Bible a little more? What's it going to hurt to give? We teach them about giving. Because it's all over in the word. What's it going to hurt to give? And these are first-generation guys. And they'll tell these young people and men and women who see things and they think, oh, I want to try that or I want to... No, the world makes it look good. But it's a trap. And it'll destroy your life. What's it going to hurt not to? And then turn that around and say, what's it going to hurt not to pray? It's going to hurt a lot. I need to pray. I need to be a first-generation Christian and pray... Like it means something. I'm going to skip ahead a little bit. One of our pastors that, who's actually the pastor of the church in Košice, Slovakia, where we were missionaries for ten, the last 10 years. Pastor Jan Liba is now the general superintendent for uh, the nation of Slovakia. And when we would pray and we first came there as missionaries, what do you want us to do? And he said, we need to reach and touch the people that are left out. He said that the generations there's no generations there's no grandparents praying for grandkids there's no grandkids grandparents praying for grandkids and I was like wow it's just he got saved during communism they had to have church underground they had to sneak they had to and they didn't have text then Say where we're going to meet. They just had to know. And First generation Christians. His son. And his, now he, his son-in-law and daughter are the lead pastors at the Koshitsa Church. And their grandkids are part of the youth group and kids church. And it's great to see those generations following the Lord. But each one of us has to be a first-generation Christian. We can't rely on grandma and grandpa or mom and dad. Let's have our own experience. I remember Patty telling me she wanted our kids to have their experience for themselves. Because she would tell about how Grandma Millie, her mom, would get under the power of the Holy Spirit, just fall down. We wanted our kids to see for themselves and to experience Jesus for themselves. And they have, and I praise the Lord today that our kids are serving the Lord. But some people aren't. They're making the wrong choices. So I want to pray, believe, I want to say today that
If you're praying for unsaved loved ones, the Lord was wanting me to say the second thing is to be a first generation Christian. The second thing is, is that keep praying. My dad, I prayed for for years. He came to the Lord. Your sons and your daughters and your grandkids, your spouse, you've been praying for for years. Don't give up. Don't give up. Now let's go to Cornelius' house. Cornelius was not a Gen- was not a Jew. He was a Gentile. Italian, if you can believe that. And God called him. Why? Why was it? Why did the angel show up to him? That's what is so amazing to me. We'll go to the second slide if we can. I don't know if that buzzes out. There we go. No, that's not the second one, is it? There we go. Cornelius' house. The angel of the Lord said, your praying and your giving has come up as a memorial before God. So God is going to do something big. Now that's in brackets, my, my input in there. When you read through that, it is an amazing story. What God was doing in Peter's life and what God was doing in Cornelius' life. And I just challenge you this week, read through that and just pray through that stuff. And just read that and, and, and absorb it. Because there's a lot of great things in there. But the key things I want to talk about is praying and giving. Praying and giving. Your prayers and your giving has come up as a memorial before God. Cornelius was a first generation Gentiles to get the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's very significant because in all of us people that are not Jews, they're not Jewish or Israeli, we can be have the power and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. First generation. And he had all his family, all of his house, they gathered together. Peter showed up. Peter's got this great homiletical sermon ready to go. And before he's done talking, the Holy Spirit gets poured out on all of that house. <laughs> and he didn't get to finish his sermon. Oh, well. <laughs> Amen. God wants to do that all over the earth to every person. First generation Christian. I remember I prayed and I read the Bible and I read and I read and I read. And I remember and I was living in Oklahoma and I, I was in my grandpa's trailer. He was away working and I, was, I would stay in his trailer. And, and a mobile home in Oklahoma is not a good thing. We have, they say there's an average of 100 tornadoes in Oklahoma a year. A lot of them don't hit the ground, but I, the trailer was shaking. I remember there was a pull string for the light. It was moving, and I was reading the Bible. Looking up, I was reading the Bible. I wasn't looking to heaven. I was just watching, right, is the roof going to come off? Am I going to end up over at my aunt's house? She lived about five, ten acres away, and that could have happened. And Anyway, I, I, I was excited about God. I couldn't believe that nobody did, that anybody wouldn't receive this salvation. It's so gift. Because I had been in the world, I tried drinking and smoking marijuana, and I did inhale. Uh, and, uh, but then I, some of my friends got killed in a car wreck, and I was like, man, I ain't, no. My sister became a Christian. I went to church with her, and I thought, man, yeah. But I wasn't going to be the only one that got up and came forward to accept Christ. And so I kept getting away from the world and started toward God. 
and then one day I gave my heart to the Lord. That's a big, long story, but my uncle got saved, started a small group in his house. I went to that small group, and the youth pastor from the Assembly of God Church in Antlers, Oklahoma, was leading that small group, and I prayed to accept Jesus. Then we went to church. Then it was easy because in the Assembly of God Church, when they give an altar call, they have altar workers. And everybody, half the church stood up at first. And I was like, oh, hallelujah. So I, I'm not going to. They knew that I was a sinner and needed Jesus. But I came up there and it was just wonderful. Everything that I tried in the world left me empty. But when I accepted Jesus, I was full. It, I could tell you all the stories, but it's that's the bottom line. And Cornelius' house got full that day. And how was it? Did he, did he pray the Roman road? I don't even think Paul had written it at this point. So, no, they didn't pray the Roman road to pray the exact prayer. They felt the power and presence of God. And so that's what's happening in Slovakia. We'll go to the next slide there. Uh, we've been in missions 20 years. Uh, it's actually 26, I think, this year. But... Um, and we've seen a lot of great things happen. But the key to it is, is you're praying and you're giving. Just like Cornelius, your, his prayers and his giving has come up as a memorial for God. God remembers your giving and your praying. He keeps account of it. He really does. And some people are saying, oh my. But others are blessed. I'm glad that God knows that I give. I'm a missionary. We, we talk about giving because I need you to give. But I have to tithe, and I give to missions as well. And so I do that because I want God's blessing on my finances. But your praying and your giving helps us to go and to preach. And many people come to Christ. And we've seen many, first, many people that are first-generation Christians going after God and seeing many people saved. It has been phenomenal. We'll go to the next slide. This here is a community event. Kind of what you're doing in your church is reaching out to the community, giving away bread and food and clothes. This is what we do with our community events. We, you can see the tents there and the fences. We have fences so we have a place to come in and a place to go out. And uh, we have tent number one. That's where they come in and we give them food. And uh, there's 90%, 90% unemployment among the Roma and Gypsy people in Slovakia. The Roma Gypsy people in Slovakia are very looked down upon, ostracized by society, and uh, some, in some cases they have uh, earned their reputation. But we're going into those places. And Pastor John that I told you about earlier, Pastor John Leba, who's now the general superintendent, he would look over these villages. He said, for 20 years, Brother Wendell, we went, for 20 years we went to these villages preaching, trying to tell these people about the love of God and, and seeing them things happen. But we've only seen a few people saved. Through these community events, what you guys are doing is phenomenal, what the Lord's doing. I said, Brother, it's, you guys broke the ground, planted the seed, God watered, and we're just coming alongside you, the national church, to bring in the harvest. This town here, the mayor had heard about what God had been doing among the gypsy people in another town. 
And he went to the pastor and he said, Pastor, can you help me with my gypsy problem? There's a European commission in the European Parliament called uh, with, with the mandate to address the gypsy problem in Europe. So the pastor from Nepani in that slide, he um, called our pastor, got a hold of him and said, hey, can you help me with my gypsy problem? And so little by little, we start out with uh, starting with small groups and uh, Bible studies. And then about a year or a year and a half later, we'll come in with the big event, this community event. We give them food and tent number one. There's music. Now we've got all Roma people or gypsy people trained and they're doing gypsy music which is Christian stuff. It's all Christian. Their testimonies, their preaching, and their kids' ministry. We've got raised up kids, uh, trained kids' leaders to do the kids' tent. That's tent number uh, two. It's all for kids. We give them all kinds of things. And I don't know if you've heard of BGMC, but BGMC, Boys and Girls Missionary, and I don't know what the C stands for anymore because they change it from time to time. So anyway, we were able to print literature for those kids to read about Jesus for the first time for BGMC funds. Thank you for giving to BGMC. We did it in a speed the light van. Thank you for giving to speed the light. We had, we've had four, I think three or four speed the light cars. And uh, thank you for giving to those things. It helps us to take this stuff and give it to them. We haul the bags of food in the, in the vans. We've load up the bags of food in the, in, the, um, in the vans and haul them to the site. And we build them at the church, and then we take them to the site. And what bags of food are you talking about? See, I got ahead of myself. And the translator's going nuts, isn't he? I'm sorry. <clears throat> anyway, um, so tent number three is for the service. There's preaching and singing and testimonies, all done by Roma people in this, in the, uh, then after they're done, we give them a Bible and we give them bags of food to take home. Like you had the, the not pallets, but those crates or those things with bread in them out there. We have, we'll have those delivered in the morning and we're giving out loaves of bread with the bags of groceries to feed them. Not just to feed them for a day, but to help them have something for a couple of weeks. And God has really done a great things through all of those Thanks. So I'm going back after the preaching of the first service in Lapani. I go out there to the tent to get stuff ready. I get the pastor. I say, hey, you're going to be the face that they're going to see. I don't want them to see me. I want them to see you because you're going to be the one they connect with. And so I get out there and I'm looking for him. And I was like, where is he at? And somebody comes and says, Pastor Wendell, you got to come and see what's going on. So I go back in the tent. And the pastor had given the altar call. And there wasn't a seat full. Everyone was empty. It was 100% participation in the altar call. Everyone got up and came forward to give their lives to Christ. That happened three times that day. We have about 200 people in the main tent. The kids' church, it happened. And they got saved. Many got saved as well. It's because you're praying and you're giving. And it is credited to your account. We'll go to the next slide there. 
this year has happened. We, we started, there was a house church that was about the size of pastor's office. Uh, they had 60 people come to church. Uh, then we did a community event. And there was 100 first-time visitors the next day. We did the, then the next Sunday, they had 200 people show up for church. So they went up the hill with an extension cord. And if you know anything about electricity, it was 300 yards of electric, of electric extension cord. And uh, they kept blowing breakers. I don't know why. <laughs> so then they wired, they hardwired it, which it didn't burn down, praise the Lord. But anyway, with funds that people have given, we put a roof on this building. With teams that came, we put the insides of this building. And now they run about 250 people at church. And they only count adults. You can see the water baptism. They had two that year. Praise the Lord. Because you're praying and you're giving. Let's go to the next slide. Again, we're involved in community events, construction teams. We had university ministry. We had kids, from, students from all over the world. In, in Koshitsa, because the medical school and the engineering school and the IT school were all in English. And so we had an inter, um, uh, uh, um, international church, and I was the international pastor. Uh, all of that to make disciples. We'll go to the next slide. I'm going to skip. This is another place. We started Bible studies. They were busing people. And then they, we did a Convoy of Hope event right there on these grounds. And today there's a church there. They started with 20 or 30 people. Now they have about 180, 200 adults meeting in that church. Because you're praying and you're giving. All right, let's go to the next one. And uh, I, I could tell you 100 stories about this. But I'm going to skip this one and go to the, that last one there. Not the last slide, but this one, yeah. Kets a rope, so we did a Convoy of Hope event. The one that you saw with the new roof on it, they wanted to reach out to another community, and so we did. This one was the largest one we had done with about 1,800 people that we ministered to on a Saturday. And then they had a meeting place that they were going to start a church at, and we did that. And Pastor Igor is over, the, over this church now. The mayor from this town called Pastor Igor and said, um, I didn't see a clock, Pastor. What time am I supposed to be done? Yeah, that, that's, that's, your good is, um, <clears throat> how many give me five more minutes? Five, ten, keep your hands up, 15, 20, 25, okay. Anyway, so past, the mayor called Pastor Igor and said, I need to have coffee with you. He said, ever since you guys did your community event here in Quetzalcoatl, it's changed our whole community. He said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, the mail carrier, when they give out their monthly checks, because they get about 300 bucks for family in Slovakia, the cost of living allowance is about 120% for us. So it's 20% of what more than what it would cost to live here in Green Bay. And um, they get 300 bucks per family. But the mayor said, when you guys, when the, they would get their monthly welfare checks, the mail carrier had to have a police escort to go give the mail. 
said then it was parties and mayhem and fighting and craziness for about 10 to 14 days after that. They had called the ambulance. The ambulance had to have a police escort. He said, but Brother Igor, I don't know if he called him brother because I'm not sure he's a Christian. But anyway, but he's a, he's a Slovak guy. He's a white guy. Anyway, he says, you know, Igor, ever since that community event, the, the mail carrier told me last week she doesn't have to have a police escort anymore. They're not partying and fighting and, the, and they do call the ambulance. They don't need a police escort for the ambulance anymore. That's the power of God. Because first generation Christians saying, I want to follow Christ. I tried everything else and that I, I found Jesus and he loves me. Thank you guys for praying for us. Thank you guys. This is credited to your account. Pastor John had told me, Wendell, you're doing such a good job. And I said, Pastor Dion, you know, it's not me. We have people behind us in the States praying and giving so we can be here to do this. You guys laid the groundwork so this could happen. I want to show you the next slide there. We'll, we've done over 20 community events. We've seen over 2,000 people come to Christ since 2013. We've planted five churches, and there are more in the works right now. Just because we've decided to go out and give a drink of water and some bread. The small groups, the churches that are growing, it's just been phenomenal. But I want to thank you again for praying for us. Because without your prayers, the enemy would destroy us. We need about twenty thousand dollars in in cash, and we need about uh, sixteen, seventeen hundred dollars in monthly pledges. But if we get all of that, or and and more, and we're believing for more, and you're not praying for us, it's going to be for naught. We need you to pray for us. In 2012, Patty started having some health issues. And we went to the doctors, and she needed to have open-heart surgery. So in 2012, we came from Slovakia to Madison, Wisconsin, and Patty had open-heart surgery. The surgery went well to repair the mitral valve, but then the natural pacemaker was doubling up on the beats. Her heart was rate was twice what it should be. And then uh, we went and had another procedure down in Iowa. And we came back to Eau Claire, Wisconsin. My daughter and granddaughter were there. And my granddaughter came and woke me up. We got back from Iowa about 1.30 in the morning and I was trashed. I laid down. And my granddaughter woke me up and said, Papa, something's wrong. So I ran upstairs and found Patty and she was unconscious. She was not breathing. Her eyes were open. She was gone. I'd had a little bit of EMT training, and so I knew what to do. And uh, in all the training, it works, but it didn't work. I tried uh, um, resuscitation, and it didn't work. The EMTs got there about 10 minutes later. They took her to the hospital. The doctor met, the, the uh, chaplain met me at the hospital, which is the first sign that 
things are bad. And he said she's in a coma, she's on life support and non-responsive. And so we prayed, prayed for her. I called Pastor Jan in, in Koshitsa. I called our leadership in Springfield and people around the world were praying for her. And Galen came up, Galen Hendrickson, the missions director for Wisconsin, came up to Eau Claire at Sacred Heart Hospital. And he was on one side of the bed and I was on the other. She had been in a coma for 26 hours, non-responsive, on life support. The neurologist told me, after two minutes, brain damage starts. After five minutes, it's usually irreversible. Your wife was gone for over 10 minutes. So if she survives, she will have brain damage. And Galen tries to talk to her. No response. So we pray. Galen says, all right, let's pray. And he prayed in Jesus' name, amen. And when we opened our eyes, Patty's looking at us. God healed her. We need your prayers. We need the... We need the finances and do what God wants you to do. And if it stretches you, do it anyway. He's going to provide for you. He'll take care of you. But we need you to pray for us. And God hears your prayers and he keeps record of it. God is good. All the time. How many of you like victory? Victory. Say it. Victory. Victory. But what has to happen before the victory? There has to be a battle. There has to be a fight. There has to be a conflict. But God is in the middle of the, of the battle. He's in the middle of the conflict. He's in the middle of the fight. He's in the middle of your pain. He's in the middle of your disease. There's victory. There's victory in the name of Jesus. I am living proof. <laughs> There's victory in the name of Jesus. God is good. I just want to encourage you this morning to have hope. My favorite verse right now in this season of life is may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. There is hope in Jesus Christ, no matter what your situation today. And I want to just give one more testimony because I got five minutes, right? <laughs> We're sharing this platform. <laughs> About four years ago, the New Testament was translated into the Roma language. Otherwise, the Roma people couldn't read the Bible. And Pastor Marek, one of our Roma pastors, he came up to me and he said, Patty, I got to tell you this story. He said this elderly lady got saved a few days ago, a few weeks ago. And she came to me, just tears running down her face. And she had received the Roma New Testament in her language. And she said, Pastor Marek, I didn't know that Jesus knew my language. It's such a touching story for me. And the Roma people, I love them with all my heart. <laughs> There's beautiful people. So thank you. Thank you for praying. And thank you for giving. Because everyone needs 
to hear about Jesus. Even in your community, they need to hear about hope. Amen. I'd like for the worship team to come. This song that I asked to be sang, it, it really just blesses me. And, and, and uh, um, I first heard it at our kids' church, at our daughters, where they go to church, and our son-in-law. And uh, it's just like, wow, that's so powerful. The generations of people that have been saved in Slovakia are first-generation first Christians who the people of Slovakia and Europe look down upon as being nobodies, nothings and problems. But God looks down and says, them are my children. I just feel like today, I just felt like this morning when we were doing worship that, you know, God... I think looks at us Gentiles as grandchildren. There's no theological base in this, and if you want me to, I'll, but the Jewish people were his children, now we're grandchildren. I love my grandkids. <laughs> and some people say we ought to skip children and just go right to grandkids. But you're a grandchild of God. And if you don't know Jesus, Get into this blessing. Accept him. Raise your hand. Say, I want to be a Christian. I want to accept Jesus. If you're at home, get down on the floor and just say, Lord, I just want to give you my life. There's no special prayer. You got to say it a certain way. Just call out to him and ask him to save you and forgive you. And he will. This song is for every generation. I know my great-grandmother as a Pentecostal lady prayed for, for me. And I'm glad today that I, I'm a Christian. And I'm glad today that I have been a part of seeing thousands of people come to Christ and make that first step to be a first-generation Christian. So let's stand and worship the Lord and the pastor's going to come. God bless you. Thank you for praying for us. Pray for us as we go into a new thing. I don't have time to talk about it, but we're going to be able to take teams back to Slovakia as well and continue to do what we've been doing in Slovakia, but do it in other places. And that's our desire, is to see as many people come to Christ before he comes back.